Oh, man. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rally Podcast. Logan looks surprised that we're welcome back. To I, I didn't, I didn't know that meant we were starting right now. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that we're just doing it. We're doing it live. Um, Jumping in. Okay. I'm Mike White here with our, our co-host, uh, Logan Cornelius, missing Sean Boer today. But we are welcomed uh, by some wonderful guests here, Jack Scotty and Nora White, uh, part of the SRA team at Spikeball. And uh, we got him on to talk more about the 2021 format schedule and some other fun stuff like that. If you didn't see, um, these two released a bunch of stuff last week. Um, I'll put it in the description of the video and the podcast, wherever you're listening to. So you can check that out and probably check it out before you listen to this um, or after, whatever you want to do. But probably but before is probably better. You'll know what we're talking about. Um, but today we're going to get into some of the decisions they made, um, some fun things about themselves. And I uh, hope to give you guys some a little more info about the SRA. Cool. Uh, Jack, uh, I think you should probably give yourself like maybe a 15-second introduction. Okay. Um, Jack Scotty, I've been working with Spikeball since 2016, uh, hosting Spikeball tournaments since 2012. Um, yeah, and... Really excited about this season. Obviously, last season was not what we expected at all, but uh, I don't think there's anything more radical than like having to cancel your whole season. So that kind of put us in the position to, you know, just feel a little empowered and try some new things. And, you know, we think uh, what we got here for 2021, we're super excited about, we're super, super optimistic. Um, and we think it's really moving the sport in the right direction. So, I'm excited to kind of dig into it and explain more about why we made some of the choices we made and what we're hoping to achieve. And Nora, when I said Jack, I didn't exclude you from giving an introduction also. So you, you, now is your turn. <laughs> um, I'm Nora White. Um, I have been full-time with Spikeball since 2017 and running tournaments in general since 2015. Um, just echo a lot of what Jack said, really excited for 2021 definitely trying to be optimistic um very excited to get back on the fields and see everyone again it's been a long year off um so yeah looking forward to it awesome and with many of these questions both of you could probably answer them greatly so um i'm gonna just kind of leave them open if i target you i will but i'm gonna let it open um but first my basic overview this 2021 format the bigger things that stood out is a couple changes right instead of having Historically, 16-plus events, tour stops, grand slams, regionals, nationals. This year, the plan is to have uh, 10 events and then nationals at the end of the year in October. Um, outside of that, there will be 10 to 20 sanctioned events that were run independently of uh, the SRA. Um, as well as a big one that caught a lot of attention was a two-day format, having all these events uh, moved into Sunday for Spectator Sunday or Championship Sunday, whatever people saying. And we can go into the logistics of all that stuff uh, soon, because very people are very curious. But I want to get through the kind of the philosophy of these changes behind the scenes. Why, why, why are you moving in, in this direction? And Logan and Sean and I talked about change in formats and kind of uh, how we think about change in the past. So curious to think kind of what led you guys to uh, making these changes. 
Yeah, and I think that like, you know, the idea of, hey, there's not as many events as there were in 2019, that's one way to look at it. I kind of look at it as like, there's going to be even more events because I consider these sanctioned events just as official, you know, and hopefully what that does is make it more accessible and more scalable for what we're doing. Um, when we look at like past seasons, you know, people, sometimes they get introduced to the sport, they fall in love, they play in one tournament and like, when are you guys going to be back? And sometimes it's like, Hey, we're not going to be back for a year or longer. And so that's not a good model to keep it growing. Um, and we're not really in the position where we can expand to run excellent events and do 50 a year than a hundred a year. Uh, but we have an amazing community that's really runs professional events, great events. And if we can incorporate them into the system, then we make it much more accessible to play. Uh, and, you know, we see the 2021 season is actually offering more opportunities to play than less, uh, just focusing spike balls specific, you know, to being the event organizer uh, at fewer of these, um, but hopefully making those experiences more special and being able to showcase like the amazing athletes that come out and play. Yeah. I love that. I'm super excited. And I have my own perspective as, as a, as I guess just a fan and uh, an attendee to many less of a player, but I'm curious about like Logan, how does that make you feel as a player going into 2021 kind of uh, about these events? Like these changes direction you, you excited about? Yeah. I mean, I know I'm kind of have like, I, I kind of look at it from, from two spots as someone who's like hosting independent tournaments and someone who's playing like, I think it's exciting just bringing it's bringing more of the community into it with the sanction events. Like it's giving more local areas um, a chance to do it. And I think the SRA series has proved to be a good way to get people into playing. And now I think combining out with the sanctioned event, it's like really sucking people into the system. So it's like, Oh, you're playing at this SRA tournament that's sanctioned, but then you realize, Oh, there's this group that's hosting tournaments all the time anyway. So it gets them and helps connect people to the community um and so that's gonna what bring more people to play and i think it's like it's gonna be exciting because events that um are sanctioned will kind of have the name of these local groups but it'll probably get some people to come and play in it that generally wouldn't um and so as a player that's fun because you're getting to see a lot more people from outside of your kind of area come and compete um and then as an event organizer it's fun because you're getting again you're getting people from outside your area so i think from from all sides of it um it's, it's really exciting. You still have like the SRA name because there's a lot of value um, behind that. And like Jack and Nora put on amazing events and, and the events are fun. And so I think it'll help kind of spread that out a little bit more and bring up the level of these, these other events that are going on. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of a couple of things. One was like, I think when, when we did the community kind of uh, contest for a tour stop, and right, there are so many people in, in Seattle, I remember specifically, that were like so stoked to have an event there. Um, and, and I remember like, so having these sanctioned events at different places will make so many local people excited. And then it also reminded me of like uh, the Montreal bonus tour stop in was that 2017 uh, or 2018. Um, when right, they had their whole tour in Quebec. But one event was a spike ball event, an SRA event. And then so that made their tour even more special. And when I see these local, you know, groups posting their their tour events, right, the Utah, um, I just saw Rhode Island posted their event schedule, Connecticut, right, if those end up all having in a sanctioned event, then it makes their whole tour 
that much more special. And there are people, right, that are probably only going, the only, SR, they will not go to any SRA events besides like the ones in Rhode Island, right? But if one of those ends up being like a sanctioned event, then they, and a lot of people travel from and around New England, they'll have such a great experience at this event and get the taste of those spike ball events where they may not have, have otherwise. And I think it's, as I see the smaller communities grow, I think like this will just make them flourish even more because people will be really excited to have those events and, and a lot of people, people to expand. And even, even on that, like for us with, with Taser, like we're building our events for the Texas community to compete in. And most of the people that are competing in those, they're only competing in Texas events. And that's like what we're catering it to. And so I think what you're saying is so true. Like it gives them a chance. It's, it gives them a chance to kind of taste what those bigger events are like, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe uh, catch that bug a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right. Um, the movement, I think a big thing that people were really uh, kind of excited for and want more details on were these kind of the two day events. What's happening on Sunday? We saw a lot of hype for spectator Sundays. Um, so can you give a little more detail into what you expect or what you envision on, on Sundays? So I would start with Saturday, if that's okay. Yes, yes. I, I, that's what I was saying. I was like, yep, Saturday. Because obviously part of this is, wow, Sunday can be more for the spectators. It's not all this chaos. It's, you know, this game is happening at this certain time on a featured court. The stream's set up and ready to go. No one's scrambling around. And it just creates this much better experience, whether you're there or whether you're trying to follow along from home. But Saturday is the part that gets forgotten because when we have – you know, six divisions and they're all competing simultaneously and there's no break in play and we're fighting against the sun going down. It's really hard to, you know, tell stories and showcase the things that are happening in the other division so that, you know, the, the camera is always focused. The people are always focused on what's happening in premier, what's happening, you know, in, in the, in the top division. And we don't get to tell those other stories. So I see Saturday is really opening up to tell the stories of these other divisions that sometimes are happening over in a far corner and nobody, you know, somebody has to come over and say, Hey, I, uh, I won. Can, can, can I get my medal and take my picture? Like we don't want that to be the case. We want those divisions to feel just as special and to get just as much attention. Cause that is like the foundation of the sport. They have to have a great experience there to want to keep moving through the ranks. So Saturdays like opening up that space Saturday to do those showcases is just as important as making Sunday this really professionalized day, mm-hmm. featured court, you know, matches that you can build the anticipation mm-hmm. of. But I think it, it's both of those things working together. And one of the things we're contending with is we don't want, we know it's hard to say yes to a, a two-day event if you're just getting into it. So we wanted to make it that, um, you know, if you're signing up for intermediate, if you're signing up for a division that's smaller or gaining traction, mm-hmm. you can do that all in one day. And then if you have, you know, the ability uh, and the interest to stick around, you can be a fan the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's creating that dynamic of like building a fan base, telling the stories and being able to showcase more than just the, you know, the premier division right. when we have these big events. Right. And, and truthfully, when I'm, I'm at SRA events myself, I don't mean any disrespect, but true, like you're just your mind is everywhere, right? You're not following along with intermediate, although it's, oh my, like, right? Oh, there's a super cool team of two 12-year-olds that made the finals and you're like crazy, but you don't find out that until after because you're following along with Premier or some crazy thing in women's happens. And there's so much going on. I actually am getting tired just thinking about it. <laughs> but 
But you're right that there are so many cool things that happen that definitely get missed along the day, right? When we have hundreds of teams, right? There's so many great things that happen. And, and it's great when we can get a youth team on the court um, or, or, or showcase any of those things. Um, well, 2019 Nationals is a great example. Like the youth finals was amazing. And it got some, it got some spotlight on the feature court. But like being able to really appreciate that, like that's what we're hoping the direction we move yeah. in. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like too, touching on the sanction events, like it allows for just kind of a, this like variation of different tournament formats still. Cause like, like the SRA tournaments are going to be two day. My assumption is a lot of the sanction events will probably be one day events too. So mm-hmm. people can kind of choose to go to the events they want um, and experience if they like this event more. And, and if for at the very least, like we're going to learn a little bit more, like what people like to see and how they like to do it. And, um, and really test out these different formats, which is nice to have that variation for meaningful events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me so excited. And then specifically now, can I bring you into Sunday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Or, Sunday but I, I recall, right, it, this will be for if you make a certain spot in the bracket in a certain division, then those games are on Sunday. And and the idea, what I was saying, is a more of a championship Sunday where don't, I'm, I'm so excited content wise going into the day knowing the bracket knowing like the top eight and i think over time it will be something that people really strive for like this will cement whatever if it's top eight this will cement like getting a top eight finish as really good because right now i think people usually want like a podium and i think it might transition to like no i want to make sunday i want to make sunday some people will probably hedge their bets with flights thinking, eh, I don't think I'm going to make Sunday. But, but anyway, if you want to get into some more detail about that, I'm sure that'd be welcome. Or wait, no, I'll, let you, I'll let you go for this. Um, so for Sunday, yeah, kind of what you said there, we'll have um, championship court set up. We will have the, the top eight in those top couple of divisions playing. Um, like you said, you really know who's playing when you're walking into the day. Um, the stream will be ready. Um, we'll have spectator areas. We'll get into more of this when we talk about other stuff, but like maybe food trucks and really make it a spectator experience um, on Sunday. So yeah, we're excited um, for all of that. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, to make Sunday, it's the winner of the pools are the ones who make Sunday. Is that correct, or is it, or is it larger than that? Right. So that's another element of the format is it kind of switches to this. Uh, this World Cup style uh, pool play where, you know, you can't just be lazy, finish in the bottom of your pool, you know, be the best, you know, be one of the best teams and then just like mess up the whole seating. Like like you have to perform in pool play. Mm -hmm. So it makes those pool play games more meaningful because if you don't, you can't play for first anymore. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, okay, there's a real incentive aside from being like, oh, will I be the fifth seed or the seventh seed or the first seed? It's like, can I, can I be playing in the top division? Right. Right. So that's, that's a big element of it. And with the switch to two days, it also lets us do best of three for pool play. And so then there's not this like, wait, who got to serve first, you know, who, who's at the disadvantage playing one game to this cap. Mm -hmm. So we have games that are now have more of an incentive for teams to really need to win. And with a format that Mm -hmm. is more accurate of who's the better team. So it makes pool play really meaningful and the pool play more exciting than, you know, playing a game to 15 and, right. you know, getting capped out and it just being a kind of 
random lottery that all gets sorted out in the end. If you perform pool play, you know, you're going to, you're going to be in that top bracket and that top bracket is where everyone wants to be. And then, you know, you're going to be playing for playing for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. So, but so as far as I think Logan understanding, we're having pool play and then likely, I guess, depending on teams, uh, right. playing into Sunday, right? You're not just doing pool play and on to Sunday, there will be some bracket play on Saturday. Yeah. And that, that depends okay. a little bit on what is the size of the tournament? What, you know, what rounds do we need to break down to? Um, but yeah, there's going to be some bracket play on Saturday to get us in the position for Sunday to be, uh, you know, those top teams that have made it through. Yeah. That, that immediately makes me think, you know, when I think of the, the Saturday and Sunday, um, I just, I think to these, uh, these premier and pro players that truthfully really rush through their day, you know, when we want to do the formats we want to do, right. When there's the best of three pool play that takes three hours, you know, they, they often have to go right into bracket play. And I think, right. There may be some more leniency and it'll be you know, a little uh, softer of a day for them. Uh, you know, when there's this extra, extra space uh, coming Sunday, which I think and they log- should be very excited about. Yeah. And logistically as well, like we love that we can say, all right, you know, round of 16, you're playing at one fifteen in this area, come back Sunday at 10 AM for round of eight on court two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something we haven't been able to do with just kind of the go, go, go all day. Um, so that will be awesome from a player and spectator experience. Um, that scheduling yeah i think the other thing from the spectator experience is like sometimes at the end of the day you're not getting the best version of these amazing players like they've played non-stop it's super hot they're dehydrated and they're just trying to like make it through the day in one piece mm-hmm. um that's you know we, we want it to be a better experience where you're not just falling apart at the end of the tournament where, you know, you have time to recover, you have time to eat lunch, you have time to, you know, check out what's going on around the tournament Mm -hmm. versus, you know, just immediately jumping from one game to the next without, you know, Mm -hmm. even getting a sense of the city that you're in. So uh, that hopefully makes, makes it better on a lot of people's ends of both playing and spectating. You're getting uh, better competition because people are arrested and ready to go and giving you a hundred percent. All right, cool. Before I go into again more uh, more specific logistical questions, I wanted to stop in and do a check. As you guys said, you've been around for many years. I want to know if you each have an event or maybe a two that has been your favorite. I guess as a as a host, and then maybe one that you've just. I mean, you guys have hosted almost all of them, but are there any over the years your favorite event? that you maybe just attended, hopefully not as a host, and maybe your favorite event you hosted, you hosted. Yeah, so not many people went to, what was it, 2018 Co-Ed Nationals in uh, Florida at the Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the most amazing tournaments. Beautiful on the beach, the, like you walk out of the hotel and you're you're right where we were playing. and it was just like a great venue, beautiful. And everyone got to kind of like hang out afterwards too. We were all staying in the same spot. So um, it was just one of those events where it felt like there was so much camaraderie and 
we had alternating divisions. So the competitive division would play one round and the intermediate division would play one round. So everyone got to kind of like cheer on and spectate and have those breaks in the day. It wasn't too rushed. Um, and that all just made it an amazing tournament and just like prime location. Yeah. Yeah, I would say along with that one, um, the Nationals 2019, I think, was just a phenomenal event logistically, which is kind of my top priority of the events. Um, went smooth. It was a great time. I got to actually sit and watch some gameplay. Um, it was it was just super fun um, all along. And then I was also thinking, I don't know if you remember this, Michael, I think it was San Francisco 2018. We got in the U-Haul. And we were just like, wow, that day was perfect. We had like nothing go wrong. It was just like a overall successful day. It, it, uh, we felt the same at 20, it was 2018 Nationals too. Felt kind of, oh, there was some things, but I think at yeah. the it, there was one, I remember that tournament and we were just, it felt like a blur and it kind of felt like it didn't happen in a sense because it just happened. <laughs> it, went, <laughs> it just went. Yeah, and I have, I have uh, a whole list of other ones going back to 2015. I'm sure Jack does as well when we weren't hosting and we're just hanging out and having fun. So it's always a good time with Roundnet friends. Mm-hmm. Is um, <laughs> When you go to events, Roundnet or not, do you guys have a different perspective on them as event managers? Yes. Oh, I totally do. I have a lot more appreciation for the work that goes into stuff. Especially like, so some of the events I do outside of Roundnet, like just personally, I do adventure races. So it's like, you know, you have a compass and you're trying to find these checkpoints in the woods and you're going, you know, getting lost and they're really long races. And I'm like, wait, somebody had to go out here at 4 a.m. and put all these check <laughs> they're like spread out by a hundred miles. You know, you're on bikes, you're on canoes and stuff. And I'm like, somebody had to go out there. If I'm going through this, like, patch of thorns somebody else had to get through this patch of thorns <laughs> to put it there and so i think there's a lot of stuff that happens like that when if you only have the participant um like perspective you're like wow i i wonder what time these people woke up i wonder how they got these permits i wonder you know <laughs> you, know, you wonder like, about permits yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yes <laughs> you know it's like a 24-hour race and there's there's people you know manning a checkpoint in the middle of the night and you're like wow that that's some level of commitment. So um, I think it's just like a little more appreciation and, you know, just trying to also like steal cool things that other folks do. Yeah. I'd say for me, the biggest thing that annoys me that I do from all of this is every time I drive by a field, I'm always like, how many nets could I put on there? Would that be good for a tournament? That graph looks bad. That graph looks good. I'd have enough space. Like, it's it just you can't get it out of your head you're constantly like scouting and like jack said with the permits when you see stuff you're like who did they talk to to get permission for that how did that happen like what tooth did they jump through to for for that banner to be there um so yeah it, it definitely puts a lot of things um in perspective i'll i'll never look at a fresh like green like patch of grass the same like every time it's always like ooh, well i wonder if i could host a tournament there <laughs> it's funny because i used to think the same thing like back in the day but it was more just playing it was just like i could play there i could play there that's a good place to play but it is so funny you just have those notions and they just come right in and truthfully what you're what you're saying jack the events that other people do 
just are ridiculous, right? Like, how do they do these things? I, they don't. When I think about like the complexity of the New York City Marathon, you know, stretching twenty six miles and mm-hmm. volunteers and stations all along the way. It's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the stuff that that people do and the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. yeah. For- One of my funny moments was I was talking with someone with Spartan Race and he was talking about his parking department. I was like, you have a department for parking. <laughs> like, I just look on Google Maps sometimes. Like, it's, it's just madness. Yeah, as Jack said, the complexity. Um, yeah. We think ours are a lot, and we're still uh, low on the totem pole there. Well, that specifically, I like I I worked uh, uh, at a Spartan Spartan event, and right the, the the people they have, they have these massive trucks. They have. Like hundreds, like I don't say hundreds, but you know, a hundred people working and doing all these different aspects of it for a three-day event, and they pack it all up and go again. And I'm just like, it's just so impressive logistically, like all these things. And I think of it also is impressive that they do it so often. Like you know, at the SRA, you guys do it every weekend, and that ends up, you know, you start the prep and you do it, and you're all done. You have two days in between when you're, but you're dealing with registration, and then you do the next one. And like, I think the constant of it is a whole different appreciation. Like when I think of like uh, concert tours, and I'm like, they're in a different city every night. How do you do that? How do you get in there and set all that stuff up? But anyway, I'm just tang- uh, going on a little tangent there. Going off of this, my question for Nora, because there were some some questions like Erie, Pennsylvania, question mark. Uh, how do we get to these specific spots? So um, did you have a process for choosing these uh, cities this year? Yeah. So um, we chose cities and cities chose us, which is a new thing for 2021. Um, so we put out um, information to a bunch of convention and visitors bureaus and sports commissions all over the country and said, this is the type of event we want to host. This is what we need. Um, and they bid on events from us. So um, Erie Sports Commission wants to have a Central Florida. Um, dude, I forget whatever there is. But <laughs> all these places, like, they all have different names. Richmond Region Tourism wants to have us back. Um, Visit Salt Lake. All of these local cities um, want to have us. So they proposed you know, what venues they have, the dates they have the weather, the hotel deals, the attractions nearby, the amenities at the venue, all of this stuff. Um, we're able to go through and, and kind of pick the best, the best of the bunch and put together our schedule. So some of these are definitely more off the beaten path than we've done, but these cities really want us there. Um, and they're going to work with us to, to make it an awesome event. So very excited um, from that point. So yeah, we'll see how that all goes. How weird was it, you know, having people want us to come and not just kind of calling a parks department. <laughs> it was, it was a whole new world. It was really, really exciting. And, and as you all know, like as the years go on more and more people, you don't have to explain like that little yellow bouncy net game. Um, knew what it was, they wanted us there. Um, so it's, it's awesome. It's, it's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like a, the shift you know, we started to see it happen, a couple hits here and there. Um, but, you know, we kind of committed to it this year of, we want to work with the people that want us there and build around that and then fill in the gaps in places where there's, you know, large communities and established communities with the independent aspect 
of the program we're putting together. So hopefully it allows us to flesh it out, but also like really build relationships that can show the economic impact that our sport can have and that, you know, people should be bidding more to have us there. And hopefully that means we can like continue to uh, get better venues, get more field space um, and, you know, pass on like a better player experience from the process. Yeah. And um, so this coming into 2021, like all events will have at least four fields, which will be so much space, allow for great featured courts. Um, I have a couple of venues that are already begging for 2022 dates and <laughs> locations. So we could we could go out to 2023 and beyond. Um, these guys want to have us there, um, which which just helped so much uh, when it comes to planning and execution of the event. Yeah, like That's you just said, really four, awesome. four fields. Are there other? I guess is I could ask you like truthfully what happened with these things, but do you have like some non-negotiables or things that you find are like absolutely important for an event location? Yeah. Field space is definitely number one um, as like a must-have. I, I, I say we have must-haves and nice-to-haves. Um, so must-haves, field, bathrooms, we can line the fields, good parking, um, all those kind of things. And then, you know, nice to have is a concession stand on site or um, hardwired internet versus just Wi-Fi. So um, there's definite, if you don't meet this criteria, you're not an option. Um, and then we just kind of get all the bonus stuff we can um, to pick the best venues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you were going back to Richmond. So did, it was this due to a good experience with the Richmond uh, group. Yeah. Richmond was amazing to work with. They were, they were yeah. They were the first group um I'd say we really worked with as like a convention and visitors bureau. Um and Doreen, I'll give a shout out to Doreen from Richmond who just just crushes it and really wanted us back. So um definitely made it a priority to try and get them on the schedule. We're at a different venue than Nationals, but um I think it'll still be a lot of the same experience there. Um so yeah, it's it's exciting. All right. I don't mean to uh, to damper on this and bring it to a different topic, but of course, as you said, 2020 brought the cancellation of all events. So uh, just wondering if like how you guys are feeling going into this year. Of course, we've seen vaccinations starting and some things getting a little better, but uh, you kind of what should the community have kind of as expectations for these events? I believe our first event is is early April and kind of what you how you guys are going to plan on assessing this and kind of move forward into the year? Yeah. I mean, we're planning these events because we think, uh, <laughs> we can do them. We're, we don't want, we wouldn't be wasting our own time. Right. Like we're, we're optimistic that this is going to be the season that we execute. And, you know, we're hopeful that there aren't going to need to be changes that said, obviously like no one, we don't have any secret uh, ties to the top of the government telling us what, what's actually going to go down versus what everybody else is hearing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's weird stuff happening, mutant strands. Like <laughs> it sounds like a little bit like an X-Men comic, but um, <laughs> like we're, this, this is the schedule that we think we can do. You know, what we've been hearing is that with the vaccine and how it's rolling out, uh, springtime should be more or less, uh, back to life as normal. Hopefully if everybody, you know, is responsible and does the right thing, uh, up until then. 
Um, and we're not going to do anything that would throw off that timeline of life getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. So right. if it is the responsible thing that, hey, we're not moving on the pace, uh, we need to, you know, we need to push back. We'll obviously do that. That's what we that was our approach to uh, the 2020 season. But this is what we think is possible and what we we're hopeful is the actual season. Um, I'd say the structure of the events, a good feature about it is that, you know, both Texas with Taser and uh, and Taylor and Utah, uh, they have a lot of events throughout the year either way. So if the season for some reason, you know, like the estimates aren't right and it needs to be pushed back, uh, then those are pretty easily independent events that could make up for if it had to start in May. Right. But what we want to do is run this season as it is. And, you know, we're hopeful that uh, there aren't really other mm-hmm. setbacks that prevent it from happening. But, you know, we don't have a crystal ball either. Do you foresee uh, sort of a they don't, have, they don't have a crystal ball, Mike, so they can't foresee. Do you foresee, do you foresee as the SRA kind of using a, a maybe a high, not a hybrid approach? I'm talking about remote learning, but right, like. <laughs> We can do group, right? We're not back to normal, right? These April or May events are maybe limited capacity or limited trap, like only certain certain states or every, all players must be masked. Maybe during the game, maybe not. Maybe just in between. Um, or maybe groups are separated. Divisions are separated. Do you think that the SRA would tend to more kind of push back and, and I guess depending on the landscape, push back and just kind of hope for those full events back or kind of take that little hybrid approach where we're being precautious, but having events. I mean, I, we're definitely not opposed to a hybrid event, right? Like to putting in um, like, and I think play will definitely, there'll be certain things that we definitely do different just to make it safer, regardless of, uh, you know, the state things are in. I think there's been like a lot of breakthroughs, even just with, you know, technology and not having to huddle up in these big groups and, mm-hmm. um, you know, be able to make those sort of interactions easier. Right. But um, I think if we felt that it was unsafe and we have to, we're running national events, right? So if a local event, even if it's okay, if in that city next to it, there's some problem and, you know, people are going to be traveling from all over, that's the perspective that we need to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, we have to have a higher degree of safety because of the composition of our events. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'd take every sort of approach to be able to do it safely. Mm-hmm. There's some that have trade-offs, like, right? Like wearing a mask um, is, is definitely a, a preventative thing. But if we had to mandate that everyone had to wear a mask during a tournament, then, you know, if, if it's a hundred degrees in Texas, how safe is that going to be? So you have to like, balance these trade-offs and uh, I think that you can really only do that when you know the actual context of the situation but I think we are open to anything that lets us run an event safely awesome Logan would you wear a mask in 100 degree Texas weather I'm just I kidding. could probably do it I, I, I could probably do it I could probably do it playing round net I don't know if I'm uh if I'm doing anything else <laughs> Got it. um awesome thank you um that sounds great. I, I'm very hopeful as well. I see the schedule and I'm, I'm stoked. Even the idea, you know, kind of in 2020, I was feeling not very hopeful about things and that's how it went. 
but 2020, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get back out there. Not, maybe yeah, not, not to play, but to get back out there. <laughs> if we don't have a, a single tournament in 2021, I will be shocked. So yeah. at least one. We're yep. going for it. Nori's got that. She's got that mini crystal ball going. Well, I mean, something very bad has happened if if that's the case. Yeah. Everybody was wrong about how right. we're going right. to recover exactly. if that's the case. Exactly. Yeah, we're, the world's in a bad situation if, mm-hmm. if we don't have tour- tournaments at all in 2021. I, I think that's like the far end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. I got a couple more here. I'm going to stem this off the question that was not very fair. It's asked, who's the better TD between Jack and Nora? And you can answer that if you want, but I think it'd be interesting to see if you think each other have different strengths and weaknesses as TDs, because obviously you guys work together as a nice little, that's a less little, savage question, little, little group. Yeah, I'm less savage. Yeah, that's, that's a much more diplomatic question. That's, that's what we do here. That's what we I don't do know here. who you think. Like, like, I'm different... asking who you think is a better TD. Logan, you can my, ask that question. question. I'll ask my question. <laughs> um. I'll go first. I think that Jack and I make a very good pair in kind of what you're saying, Michael. We have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, when I'm not there, there's stuff Jack needs to know. Jack's not there, there's stuff I need to know. So we work together very well. But I don't I don't I don't think I'd give one of us the better title. <laughs> Sometimes we well, see that coming. When I'm at an event that um, like Nora isn't at and you know there isn't somebody else also running it i have no idea how nora does all the things <laughs> she does because it, either she works like 24 hours a day or i'm nowhere near as efficient as her so um and yeah she, i think that she has much more experience in the actual like operations of keeping the trains running on time um and i think she's better at that than me definitely yeah well jack what are your strengths Um, I think, you know, we do play off each other. Well, I, I like to work on, you know, like some of the big picture stuff, like what can move us forward as, you know, a more professionalized event. What can we learn from each event we do? What changes should we make as we go? Um, and really just try to figure out what's going to put us on the path, uh, to be more like the sports that we want to be considered in the same category as mm-hmm. um so I, I think i'm pretty strong on the big picture stuff um i've always loved kind of running summer spike as, as a like a with my friends the one event we all do together a year because we always use it as a hey what what are we going to do different what are we going to do better you know what's going to be the x factor this year and i like you know being able to really focus in um and try to make it a, a very special experience um, and so, you know, the, the last, you know, 2019, when we did it with the lobster trap lounge and we had, we had, you know, 215 teams sign up, but we had 70 signups for the lobster trap lounge, right? Yeah. Like our, our lobster trap lounge was bigger than a, a lot of tournaments. And, and that was just fun. It had a live band. We had food, people bought, bought tickets. And it's like, wow, you know, this could be, this could be something that rolls out into more events where you're not just going to play and then going home. You're going to play and then you're part of a whole experience and you're making friends there and you're, you know, you're just doing, that's where the stories come from. Um, aside from it being like a, an amazing, iconic venue, it's, it's about the experience you create beyond just the games you get to play, you know, before you get eliminated. 
that reminded me, uh, there was no summer spike on the schedule. Uh, Jack, can you can you touch to that? Yeah, I mean, in some of these places, it's too early to even be able to plan. So California is like one of one of them that <laughs> has California. That no, no one's giving permits yet. No, so we're not just like procrastinating on California. It's too soon to be able to to plan that. Hopefully, that that changes soon. Uh, New York, uh, where you know where we would like to host Summer Spike, is in a similar situation. So rather than wait on it and it be up in the air, mm-hmm. uh, we decided, hey, let's fill it in. The other things about Summer Spike at uh, MCU Park is that it was very unlikely that we were going to be able to line more than a max of like six to eight fields. And part of what we're trying to do is professionalize this, make sure everybody gets the same experience. And as much as I love that venue and, and want to be back there, um, it does have limits to what we could do, especially since the, f- the format we use there was having two sessions of play. So it doesn't give us that as much room as we want to run it the way we want. Right. And with a two-day format, it was just going to be crazy expensive to do. We could we would lose a ton of money, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so while Summer Spike won't be happening in the same way, um, I'm excited about it because I, I, I'm kind of thinking about it as like, hey, let's go back to the basics. Um, I want to do, do a beach tournament. At, at the end of the day, like that's what that was the origin of it. It was supposed to be a fun day at the beach. We all lived in the city at the time, and that was when you can – you know, get out of the city, go to the beach, spend a day there, even though like Coney Island is disgusting <laughs> in many ways. It was, it was like our one beach day of the year. So um, that that's what I'm thinking about is like mm-hmm. moving it back to the beach, making it more focused on uh, just like a great day of playing and, and, you know, not being as competitive, but more about the experience and hanging out afterwards and, and just, uh, you know, having that awesome day. So it didn't get cut because the previous tournament directors weren't up to snuff. That's that wasn't why I got cut. Uh, no, the exact opposite. <laughs> okay, okay, just just confirming. Uh, yeah, we they just had to confirm that. There's been some rumors. All right, cool. We're uh, wrapping up here, but I do have maybe a couple fun ones. Hope it doesn't take too long. Is there something that you we haven't talked about today that you are very excited about for next year? Uh, well. I have one and I think it's maybe like a matter of interpretation. So I've heard people say, Oh, you know, there are no regions anymore. There's no regionals. The way I look at the 10 events we're doing is each one of them is, is a regional championship. Each one of them is a chance to win a pro bid. They're all spread out, you know, throughout the country. And I, and not that we drew arbitrary regional lines, but each one of them is, its own regional championship. So more like the college series, now there's 10 mm-hmm. spots where you could go to earn your place at nationals, right? So I'm excited about how that plays out and those sort of storylines of, you know, who's who's in the running to earn that spot in the in the pro division come nationals. So that that's one I'm excited about. And I also feel like there's some misconception about it because I actually consider us having increased regionals rather than gotten rid of them right so i i do have a question on that so i guess how how low will a pro bid drop given the new system where like basically someone will people will be going into tournaments already having a pro bid so let's say there's 
five teams that have a pro bid, they go in the tournament get the first five spots. Like how, I guess, how far will the pro bid drop being rewarded at a tournament? Yeah, it, it drops all the way down to, to nine teams, right? So if there's 10 okay. events at the 10th event, if those nine teams who have already won had shown up, you can get the 10th the finishing team. So, so you're saying you can get a pro bid and finish ninth in a tournament. This is, this is my year. That's your, <laughs> your my year. <laughs> it was basically designed for you. I really, I really appreciate that. Right. That's awesome. Um, cool. Awesome. But I mean, that, that's only the case if every team yeah, showed yeah, up. Yeah, which oh, I yeah. would be, I doubt that would happen. Right. But it's very yeah. unlikely. You'll still yeah. probably yeah. have the podium, which might be tough for you, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fourth, fourth, I, fourth might work. I've done it. I've done it enough times. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm so excited to see like just the pro division fill in over the course of the year, you know, yeah. just see the more teams and just kind of build it up and, There'll be some Cinderella days where this team out of nowhere gets the pro bid. I, I'm really excited. It it, it it brings that that playoff atmosphere all year. Yeah, yeah something's on the line every time. Mm-hmm. And it also means that every official spike ball event is connected to nationals. Not like, oh, well, they kind of add up because you could earn the points. Like, no, no, every single one has a tie back to nationals, which is why – I think they're all kind of regionals in a sense. Yeah. And there's there's still motivation after getting a bid because those points help you seed higher. Is that correct? Right. Top three finishes points. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Nora, is there something? Um, mine's gonna be really lame because as Jack said, he does all the big picture thinking and I'm making sure the, the train is on time. Um with every weekend this year we are setting up on friday so mm. I, I've, I've told this to you michael so you know getting there at the break of dawn as, uh, as early as lights there not a thing anymore we'll yep. we'll set up on friday we'll get all the fields lined we'll get everything out um so i think that that will you know really elevate everything and um that will be a lot more if fun this sounds me. lame to you know that this is like the greatest it's thing amazing. ever this is unbelievable. It's amazing yeah, it makes a massive. I'd set difference. up Monday if we could. <laughs> so, so, Nora, will you will you be at those at all ten tournaments? Um, most likely, yes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. I don't know. Why. <laughs> the the, the hey. events. I just know the events. The events gonna run well when you're there. So that's oh, that's. Thank, thank you. Um, yeah. Like, there, will you Jack not be well. there? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I do have a a new child coming. Uh, Late March, so I don't know uh, what my what will be in store How for often me. But we'll be seeing I'm trying to be as, at as many well, as I can. Now everyone in your family has a uh, partner for the tournament, so that should make it easier. That is true. We'll see you in right. Chicago, Jack, and I'll babysit Emma and and the newborn. I still owe you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was worth it. Mike, Mike babysat for me, so I could play at co-ed. Chicago Grand Plan. <laughs> I should I should have paid you. <laughs> Adorable. Awesome. Last question in our last couple minutes. Sorry for taking all this time. Um, as I said, you two are uh, kind of the SRA team. Um, is there a favorite part of being an SRA staff? I mean, I think there's challenges and benefits uh, to having such a small team, but 
I like that we can move so quickly and um, just like, you know, there, is, there isn't any sort of bureaucracy or, you know, bottlenecks in getting things done. So like if we learn something in one event, we can apply it to the next. And uh, so I, I appreciate like being on a small team like that where we really have the same vision and can get stuff done quickly. So that's a fun part of it is like, we can go as fast as we can both move together. Yeah, exactly. Like um, a lot of the stuff with the, the formatting of the Saturday, Sunday was just, you know, a couple hour phone call. We just back and forth, back and forth, this idea, this works, what if this happened, blah, blah, blah. So um, very, very efficient in that, in that way. So it's good. Nice. Love that. Also, Logan, do you have any closing thoughts? I was just going to say, like, any update, or I know this is a question a lot of people are, are asking, and maybe no, but any update timeline on rules changes? Like, we got to ask it on the podcast. Yeah, so somebody asked that on our announcement, and, um, you know, I think January, February is 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 most likely. Um, and, you know, the like, I've already shared a draft with uh, Mike of what are all the rules we're considering. So it's already, like, written out. There's a couple we have in there where we just want more validation that it's the right choice. So it's not like, oh, hey, we're waiting to write this draft. Right. The draft is the draft is created. There's a couple things in there that are highlighted, and we're we're looking for uh, just more of a sense of certainty that we haven't missed anything before uh, before we make it a, a rule. But that said, I I think it is important for us to not wait for things to be perfect because we're never writing anything in stone. And I think there's some opportunities we have and some problems that we, we know exist. So it's important for us to, um, to, to move on those and, and to try to uh, make these improvements um, and to not like let uh, perfect or, you know, get in the way of good. Right. So that's kind of our approach, but we are trying to get uh, a little more data and feedback on, on some of the stuff we have, which is why uh, January or February is kind of what we're targeting. Beautiful. And then um, some people have also been asking more about kind of, I guess, more nitty gritty things. Um, do you plan on a little later, a more even specific kind of update? Yeah, definitely. The update we put out right now was to do a high level general update you know it doesn't go into every scenario and all the specifics um but we're definitely we're definitely going to put out something that is you know for the for that very small audience that uh you know cares about what happens if there's you know this many teams and this many pools and this one edge case um that that will come out um but for us it was just most important to share the high level view uh and make sure people understand kind of what we're aiming for um, really just looking for ways to make play more accessible, incorporate uh, more independent events in a more official way uh, and find ways to showcase and highlight and professionalize what we're doing. Beautiful. Well, uh, awesome. it's five o'clock here, so uh, we can wrap this up. Thank you, Jack and Nora for coming on. It's been awesome. I'm sure people will wow. be very excited with this information. I knew a lot of this information and I still got really excited hearing it. So yeah. um, I hope other people too. Um, I bet, I bet this is our most listened to podcast this year and it's not because of you and me, Mike. Yeah. Ah, it's cause Sean wasn't here. Yeah. <laughs> it's cause Sean wasn't here. Good point. Burn. Well, anyway, um, 
thank you all for watching or listening. Um, this is kind of our first time having guests on in a long time. So I'm going to ask you on uh, the Facebook post or on YouTube, uh, comment any other guests you want us to have in the future because uh, it was really nice to get some different voices on here and, and ask some questions. Um, and of course, the random spiel, remember, smash that like button, says Logan. Yeah. And um, apparently I learned that uh, what Apple cares about is subscribe. So subscribe to the podcast, but also mostly share it to your roundnet friends. That's probably more likely to have uh, this get some more listeners and get some more info. Share this one because people are curious about the coming season. This is the place to get the info. And uh, maybe, you know, sometime mid-season, we'll get another update with Jack Nora on, on how they think where it's going. But... Final tidbit for me, because I feel like this is also the number one question. The world's qualification will be determined by USA Roundnet, and we will announce that as soon as we have that figured out. Right. Um, Jack, we'll probably... Jack does not have that information. Jack knows nothing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll probably be in a conjunction with some efforts, SRA events since they're um, so established and, and well put together. Um, but, yeah, USA Roundnet will be announcing that when we figure that out. Beautiful. All right. Cool. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Hey, if you're here, that means you listen to or watch the entire episode, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, to thank you, you'll be hearing about this little giveaway we're doing. Um, Andrew, our producer, had the idea of doing a little giveaway uh, to thank you guys for listening and to spread a little holiday cheers. Christmas is coming up this week. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, randomly choose one of the comments on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, just scroll down to the comments. If you're on an app listening to this, head over to the SRA YouTube channel. I want you to comment, thanks Andrew, and thank him for editing these podcasts and having the idea to do this giveaway. And uh, one of those comments, I will be sending a 10 pack of pro balls to help you improve your game, work on your serves, all that fun stuff. So once again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it and happy holidays.